Hey everyone, my online course on the rehabilitation of the fitness athlete with Dan Pope is on sale this week. If you want to work with higher level fitness athletes and help people get back into the gym after an injury, this is the course for you. Head to MikeRandall.com slash fitathlete to learn more and sign up this week. On this episode of the Ask Mike Reynolds Show, we talk about cubital tunnel syndrome while overhead pressing. We talk about the intensity of our manual therapy techniques, and we ask the question, should a massage therapist go back to physical therapy assistant school? The Ask Mike Reynolds Show. Helping people feel better, move better, and perform better. Welcome back, everybody, to the latest episode of the Ask Mike Reynolds Show. We're up at Champion PT and Performance in Boston, Massachusetts. We're here with Lenny McCrina, LennyMcCrina.com, Dave Tilly, ShiftMovementScience.com, Dan Pope, FitnessPainFree.com, and Mike Scaduto, MikeScaduto.com. Right? <laughs> good one. That was, that was pretty solid. Fluid. We also have a, a couple of fabulous students. So we need to use a different adjective each episode. Let's, let's challenge ourselves. This episode is fabulous. They're fabulous uh, students here. We have, let's, ooh, I forget the names. Let me see. <laughs> Definitely not. Uh, John, the roof is on fire. Or Buzz Lightyear. From, or Buzz Lightyear? Why? We have Woody from Toy Story. So it's more about Brooks? Brooks looks like Woody, yeah. But that's but their team, part. their dynamic Okay, team. all right. So Buzz and Woody? Yeah. So Buzz and Woody? Yep. Okay, that might work. But I just I had to survive the Brooklyn Village era. <laughs> All right, I like that. Yeah, that was aggressive. <laughs> a low and a high. All right, so we have John LaRue is on fire, Buzz Lightyear, and Brooks Calvin Klein Woody. What's Woody's last name? Cowboy Woody? No, Woody. Yeah. All right, fact check awesome. somebody. Give Brooks Klein from UNLV. I want to take it away, boys. What do you guys have for questions today? All right, I don't know which way to turn. <laughs> the uh, first question is from uh, Travis from Chattanooga. What are your thoughts on cubital tunnel syndrome that is exasperated during upper body pressing exercises? Do you believe it is a nerve mobility problem, structural abnormality, or something else? All right, cubital tunnel syndrome, which probably, I don't, you know, we could, why don't we just, why don't we not label it a syndrome and let's just say, what are you having, some ulnar nerve neuropathy perhaps? So ulnar nerve neuropathy with overhead pressing. Would you like to pain-free fitness this oh, day? Yeah. <laughs> would, you, would you want to start this one off? What do you think? Yeah, sure. Um, I think I do see this a decent amount just because we have so many people pressing overhead. I think the other piece of this is we have a lot of people pressing overhead with a barbell and getting in a front rack position, and like a push press position, which puts a lot of elbow flexion. Obviously, that can be um, a little stressful in the ulnar nerve. Uh, a few things to look at first, probably assess the upper body see what the mobility situation is like at the, um, the elbow, the wrist, and the shoulder, and the thoracic spine. Um, I think trying to clear up that can be helpful. Uh, the other piece is looking at the total pressing volume you're doing throughout the course of the week. If you're just doing a whole lot of stretching of that nerve, um, that could be something that's irritating the nerve as well. Um, I like to do a lot of treatment of the soft tissue around that area to try to make it uh, feel a bit better. Maybe work on some, some nerve. So if, if you're gonna do soft tissue, are you saying that's an entrapment? Yeah, I don't know. I think that's a, a tough, um, a tough thing. I guess. I guess looking at some of the literature about this, we can kind of surmise that maybe the nerve doesn't like to be stretched, or maybe it is being compressed. You know, uh, my thoughts too is it can maybe be a bit of an overuse thing too. So it's not necessarily just that it's the nerve is not long enough, or it's being compressed. Maybe you're just doing too much. Maybe you're firing the crap out of the tricep too frequently, stretching the nerve too often, and that's leading to those problems. 
So I think you have to probably think about it from that perspective. Um, if you are thinking there's perhaps an entrapment, then working on some of the um, soft tissue around the area can be helpful too. Um, I think that what we see is in a lot of these athletes, it's more of a programming, periodization, overuse issue, as opposed to a true nerve entrapment that you might see in more of like a thoracic outlet or something along those lines. You actually, I, I thought you brought up a good point though with the tricep. I did, I, that wasn't the first thing my brain went to, but you know, perhaps it's you know with pressing, you get you know your, your volume or something. Maybe you are getting some tricep issues. But all right, let's take a big step back and say, maybe Dave, I don't know, biomechanically, why would your ulnar nerve? be irritable from pressing yeah i mean i think dan kind of alluded to it but obviously like relative motion wise if you are lacking motion at the shoulder or the wrist and you have to get into a compromised position of the front rack you're probably going to make up for it with quite a bit of valgus torque on the elbow so we think it's front rack not the press i do personally do because we see a lot of people dan and i actually like people who when they switch to dumbbells or kettlebells kind of it goes away because they can open themselves up and have more degrees of freedom to work with versus just you know putting himself in a sticky spot. That seems so. to make a little more sense to me. I can't imagine why the press would cause ulnar yeah. nerve irritability, but the front rack position right. certainly could. Especially if, if, like Dan said, somebody was trying to do a heavier push press or a jerk, they have to you know, put the barbell higher up on their collar shelf. Somebody who does more of a strict press can drop their elbows and maybe get away with some of that. You know, And then uh, I, I think, as Dan's alluding to, fatigue is a huge part of it. I think people are doing more than two or three reps often get tired and heavier loading volumes, and when, especially when they try to eccentrically lower it, they lose their form or they break from their core position and it just kind of crushes them or they do a, a power clean or a clean and, you know, drink them forward and that only exacerbates their mobility deficit. So it sounds like my, the low-hanging fruit for me would be the front rack position. Yeah. This is a front rack position problem, not a pressing right. problem. And front rack's very under-screened. Yeah, and I, and I don't want to. I don't want to make that a definitive statement, but no. it seems like this is a front rack issue, not a pressing issue. I can't imagine why the press would cause your ulnar nerve to have symptoms. Mm. Certainly in your elbow, that, that makes even less sense. Exercise selection too. If you you know landmine press can get somebody away from it for a little while before they get back to a full strict overhead press sometimes. So maybe take a step back. Differential diagnosis would almost be by technique. Get rid of the front rack position and work on that. So. Um, I, I don't know who wants to jump in, but why is the front rack position stressful on the nerve? Why don't we cover that? Because that's a that's pretty, you know, yeah. instead of just saying it's the front rack position, let's say why, right? Because I don't think it's the press. Yeah. I don't think it's the press. Just, that would do it. I mean, it, the front rack position kind of simulates how we test for all the nerves anyway, right? Just being in this in this position. So if they don't have good lat mobility or shoulder mobility in general, you know, they're going to... I was just saying, not to the older nerve, but I just thought like end-range flexion for anterior UCL too. Like that's probably sometimes yeah, so you're related. Pr- probably in a lot of elbow flexion, wrist extension. Right. It's getting very similar to an ulnar nerve test, right? Yeah, shoulder right. pressure so, too. All right. My yep. favorite Fingers numb. Fingers are numb. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, so we're in that position, but then there's probably a good amount of valgus ton stress as well. So sounds like it's the front rack position. So let, yeah. let, let's not label it cubital, cubital tunnel syndrome, right? Because now you're almost implying that the issue is with the elbow. Front rack, which, right? I don't know if it is. I think it's perhaps this is technique in front rack. Maybe it's too much load in front rack. Maybe it's too much volume in front rack. I think I would explore there. And then I would also look cervical spine and or thoracic ulnar syndrome other stuff is any changes in hand or anything like that so that's a whole different that's not part of the question but bonus bonus, bonus, bonus information linamacrina.com no extra no <laughs> what is that occurred is that yahoo or something dot com dot yeah, com uh, something like 90s. that but who is it? is it brooks what do we got brooks woody we go woody yeah woody Justin from Minnesota. I work in an outpatient sports orthopedic clinic which relies heavily on manual techniques. 
I see some clinicians using extreme pressure to elicit a neurological or mechanical effect, which I tend to disagree with. What do you suggest for pressure or intensity when performing manual techniques? Ooh. Extreme pressure. Yeah, I I'd love to see the definition of that. Find that. I'd love to see that. That's a good question. I mean, that's actually a really good question. I mean, if we paraphrase that question, is you know how how much stress should we apply with our manual therapy technique? So I don't know. Let's start, Mike. I mean, you're you're you know in school, you're you're more fresh from school. What did they teach you on this topic? Like even in lab and stuff like that. Like how much well, did you use extreme pressure? I, I don't know how you define extreme pressure, but <laughs> we learned the different grades for joint mobilizations and manipulations, and maybe extreme would be a grade five manipulation. I, I don't know if that's extreme. I don't yeah, know how we're defining that. I feel it was the question about soft tissue, more specifically. Oh, but but the, actually, that's a good way of thinking of it, though. If there's grades of a joint mobilization, we should probably have, let's use the same grades for soft tissue manipulation. Maybe there's, you know, like yeah. like like full compressive end range would be a grade four versus one would be, I don't know. I just made yeah. that up. Don't just, don't, <laughs> let me think about that more. I can see that. Like, <laughs> and a, like, like, a, like a flushing massage for swelling or for like waste product removal is like a grade one. It's very light. It's like lymphatic right. versus like deep pressure. It's not mechanical pressure. A grade four would be extreme. There probably is no grade five. Right. Like grade so five would, would break the fascia. I mean, there'd be just be blood everywhere. That would be just That would be. I guess we learned like. Grade five is an incision. I like that. That's very Grade five is an incision. Sorry. You utilize different, I guess, intensities or grades of mobilizations for different goals, right? So we learned like lower grade mobilization, grade one and two, is more for pain relief and neuromodulation and things like that, whereas grade three and four, you're looking to increase some kind of mobility. That. That's what we learn in school um, in terms of the intensity, I guess, that we use for. Yeah, there's different. Now, now that you've been out for a while, how do you apply it? Now, you, now you know all those like fake grades. How do we apply it to real people? You know, I mean, like, yeah, it depends on the today. Depends on the presentation. Like, if Correct. someone's, so, yeah. you know, post-op uh, shoulder, let's say, and, and bank our repair with a capsular shift or whatever, um, and there's. They're a little bit stiff and they're far enough out where we can do a little mobilization. You might do a grade four mobilization to increase some external rotation. I don't know if that's what, yeah. I don't think I use extreme force with that though. Right. Yeah, no, I would agree. I think if you actually look at our mechanical studies and how much force we put, it's probably not as much as you think no. either. But. but I still think that you get to get <coughs> feedback from each individual client. Like somebody can handle like Pope is a beast. If I was going to do soft tissue on him, I know I could like drop an elbow really like soft and tissue. put him in a straight stretch, you know? <laughs> Uh, but From some other, other people, you got to get feedback. You're watching their face. You're watching their mannerisms. Are their legs start twitching because they're you know they're hurting? Like you, there's no way somebody's comfortable receiving soft tissue, if that's what we're going to call it, by being extreme in our forces. Even bending a knee after a surgery, ACL <laughs> knee replacement. I've seen PTs like ramming on somebody's knee, and I'm just like, oh my god, what are you doing, this poor person? I can't imagine being that person, you know. So I think there's you got to really tailor it individually, which is a common answer we give, but I think it it still applies. Yeah. It probably change session to session as well. I mean, depending on how they're presenting that day, yeah, it could potentially change. So I, I mean, I think we've shifted from, you know, there, there's there's like this era. I don't know, five, ten years ago, where extremes, you know, deep tissue work, like hurt the person type thing, has kind of evolved. You know, and that was you know really big in the self myofascial release world. And you know, let's put you know plates of weight on top of you and let's roll bars on you and smash it or whatever you know, poor wording we've used in the past. Like, I, I think that that was actually a thing, right? More is better. 
And I think, you know, when, as we understand the effects of manual therapy and, and the pathophysiology of nerves and stuff, I think we've realized that hasn't happened. So just, I guess, briefly here, anybody here, was anybody ever that guy that, that did, like, instrument-assisted or deep tissue until they were, like, black and blue? Like, I know, like, Urson talks about this. Urson Religioso, who's, who's, you know, the manualtherapist.com, he talks about how he was really aggressive with this. I mean, have any of you guys personally been like that? When I was a brand-new grad, and then I met Urson. Yeah. Yeah, like, Urson was the first, like, kind of mentor that I had online when I was starting about, like, not doing that. I was like, that makes sense. I'm going to stop. And, and, and he, so you used to do instrument-assisted until you saw a lot of petechiae, and maybe you had some some ecchymosis that kind of of stretching that yep. was kind of all that stuff. so you've so you've since changed and I've only gotten better results. I, I was gonna say how are your results yeah. and they're better right so in terms of people liking me and in terms of actual objectives so I think we'd agree with your concept of it I don't know extremes probably not the best in the world right they may get good outcomes there might be some people that that are okay with it if they've been getting soft tissue for a long time but I don't think that's ever like our first choice I think it's always best to err on the side of not being extreme and see if you get your physiological changes you're looking for mm-hmm. I think that's we always assess and reassess and see how it is and if if they didn't perhaps you needed to do more pressure right good uh buzz <laughs> still trying to embrace that buzz what do we got buzz Elliot from miami hello i'm currently a massage therapist i'm currently considering pta school but wondering if financially with the certifications and experience performing manual therapy on my resume help outshine the competition and would make it a financial difference having these certifications. All right, massage therapist wants to potentially go back to school to physical therapy assistant school. Um, I guess I'll start by saying, maybe you guys can talk about the finance part. Would that, would that make you a more skilled physical therapy assistant? Absolutely. I think you'd be a very uh, worthwhile candidate to be hired somewhere because you have that background, right? We just had a physical therapy student, uh, Logan Genghis Klon, that just uh, <laughs> ended here, and he was a massage therapist beforehand, and we we felt very comfortable letting him not only do more soft tissue work on our patients for us, but also like have a little, yeah, teach us and have a little creative freedom to do more than just what we tell him to do, right? So, like he did, he did a good job with that. So I think it'd be very beneficial for you. But uh, financially, I, mean, I don't know, maybe I don't know, Len, you want to jump in here? I mean, it's a career change, yeah. You know, and if you're the, if you're working at like you know the massage spa at the Ritz Carlton right now, you might be making 150 <laughs> bucks an hour or something like that. You're not going to do that as a PTA. But Len, what do you think yeah, financially? No, you, you know your own. Uh, situation without knowing your own situation I think whatever you can do to invest in yourself at the highest level is going to be the best so I think if you can go to PT school where you're going to make more money I mean that's it's pretty normal for a PT to make more than a PTA and you can handle that debt no, she's a massage therapist going to PTA school right but she's a, but wasn't the question should she go to PTA school but she's a massage therapist not going to PT school Oh, my bad. I thought she was questioning PTA or PT. Okay, massage so. therapist. Should she go to PTA school? Uh, PTA should she make more than a massage therapist. Yeah, yeah. It depends. I, I, might, I don't know. Yeah, you could be depends. charging over hundred bucks an hour as a massage yeah, therapist. Correct. I'm going to twist and say, look into PT school. Yeah, <laughs> which is where I was that going. That is a much more. <laughs> I think you'd be very valuable yeah. to, uh, to be able to do soft tissue like our Logan Genghis Klein. And have the PT knowledge as well. Unless you're making over a hundred an hour right. cash-based yeah. massage, then yeah. that's a whole different yeah. story. <laughs> I'd, I'd be careful too because it sounds like she's looking to potentially do a lot of joint mobilization type stuff. And I don't know if you'd be able to potentially do that just as a PTA massage therapist without being under the guidance of another therapist legally. Right. So PTAs you, can do modes, right? 
I think, but it's yeah. also part of a plan of care so coming from a physical yeah. therapist. Right. So yeah. she's not working right. underneath a physical therapist. She might not be able to use any of these skills. Oh, required. that's good. But she's not. You're, you're not going to be able to use your PTA skills yeah. in your massage therapy practice. Right. Right. Yeah, that's a good. You're, you're going to have to completely switch. I didn't even think of the question that way. That's a good yeah, point. So like you're going to have to switch careers to be a PTA and use your massage therapy skills, not vice versa. Yeah, um, yeah that'd be a good way of saying it. So. Um, yeah, I think that, I mean, that's pretty solid info right there. I mean, lots to think about right there. I guess it just depends on your setting right now. If you're in a lucrative cash-based massage thing, then that may not be worth it for you. But I think combining medical and massage, <laughs> excuse me, backgrounds, I think. <coughs> excuse me. <laughs> I think combining massage and uh, physical therapy assistant, like schooling, would be fantastic for you. So, um, yeah, check it out. But Awesome. All right, another great episode. Sorry I have a cough. Uh, it was pretty good. I made it 15 whole minutes without coffee. That was pretty good. Um, but um, uh, anyway, thanks so much, guys. Appreciate it. Head to MikeRound.com. Click on that podcast link. There's a form to, to ask us some questions, so keep, keep them coming. We're getting some great ones. Head to iTunes, rate and review, and subscribe. And we're on Spotify now and all that fun stuff. And we'll see you guys on the next episode. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, head to MikeRound.com slash podcast and fill out the form to submit your question. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please share this with your friends to help spread the word. It would really mean so much to us. Please check out all my online courses, articles, newsletter, and more at MikeReynolds.com. There's always a ton of great perks for my newsletter subscribers. And be sure to check for my other podcast, the Sports Physical Therapy Podcast, where I go deep into topics and interview leaders within our field. See you on the next episode.